Right now, though, time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. Should I ask, is it snowing in Victoria? Not yet. I've learned to say not yet. That's very good. It never snows in Victoria. It's chilly out there. Uh, It's wet, but uh, no sign of snow so far. It's not bright enough, however, for me to see whether there's snow any of the places west of here or north of here later on. We'll see. I guess we will see. In the meantime, let's talk about a little BC history being made today. Uh, BC will be, is decriminalizing small amounts of certain drugs. What's the mood like in the government for this? Well, you know, I listened to the full uh, thing yesterday, uh, read the transcript this morning, the announcement. I mean, yes, this is a major turning point, and I think all the coverage has recognized that. I see some trepidation around a couple of things. The first one is the criticisms uh, from advocates, uh, from the opposition parties, that the B.C. government hasn't really increased the available resources um, for uh, people who want to get off drugs. Uh, Their waiting list for treatment, opposition parties are saying, you know, the waiting list, there aren't even... There aren't even comprehensive waiting lists, so you're relying on anecdotes, people who want to get off drugs. Uh, the police are going to be handing out cards to people saying, you know, here, here, you, here are your options, and then you go and you find out that the waiting time is weeks and months. So that's the main criticism from the opposition parties. And, and the other one was that the transcript is an interesting read on this because all the reporters were, a lot of them were asking, well, how, how will we know if this works? And... There is a vagueness around that. So what they've said, Simi, is they've given the uh, Canadian Institute for Health Information, three for health uh, research, uh, $3 million to research health, uh, crime data, all the other things. And they've said they will post on a dashboard quarterly the indicators. But they aren't really saying what are the indicators yet. You know, they say they've looked into it and they've got them, but it's not clear how we're going to measure the success on this. I mean, the obvious one will be overdose deaths, right? But there's a lot of others. In fact, at one point, the federal minister, Bennett, uh, said yesterday, well, you know, maybe the public can suggest some things they'd like uh, to see us measuring. Well, okay. Well, uh, we really thought this, this through, yeah, I know. Yeah. I was just thinking, shouldn't we have thought this through? Like, how do we yeah. determine success? Why do it if we don't know how to determine well, success? you know, Simi, I think... You go through the rationale for doing this and talking about it a long time, and they say it's to reduce the stigma of drug use and all that, and all those reasons are there. But the thing that's driving this the most is nothing has worked so far. The death toll is appalling. And, um, you know, I, I think part of it is, well, we better try this because nothing else has worked so far. And I... I think that's probably a lot of the reaction, even of the people who have reservations about this. I mean, safe supply is part of the problem. Well, there's nothing in this for safe supply. This is just a step in the direction of not arresting people, not locking them up, not seizing their drugs. And again, Simi, I noticed the police representatives say, well, we haven't been doing that anyway. You know, we've had de facto decriminalization here in British Columbia for some time. So, yeah, I mean, I wish them luck. I think their intentions are great, but uh, we'll, be, we'll have to watch it closely, looking for indicators that it's working. And to be precise, 
They've not told us what those indicators are yet. Okay, so yeah, there'll be more discussion about that today. Um, I just... So many questions, right? And I guess you're right. Yeah. It's, it's really out of desperation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's that's it. And, you know, there's other places that have done it. Another one that jumped out yesterday, and Global's been reporting this in the news, is um, they didn't even bother going down to Oregon to see how it's going down there. You know? Yeah. I mean, they could have sent somebody down on the bus, at least, to ask around. I know that Global did and sent a reporter, so... Again, I, I, I wonder about that. I mean, I, I, I do wonder about how much preparation went into this, even though, you know, we've been talking about it for a long time, lobbied for it. The federal government came along with a three-year experiment, and yet there were some gaps yesterday that were hard to explain, sorry, hard to reconcile with the idea that this thing has really been well-planned and really thought through. All right. We're also going to talk about some proposed treaties with different Indigenous uh, nations today. And these have to do with the Victoria area. Yeah. So, you know, we we talk about treaties and deals with First Nations. A little while ago, we talked about that big deal with the Blueberry First Nation in northeastern BC. And I, and I, I guess in urban... British Columbia, it, it does seem like kind of a distant issue, uh, something that's far away. Uh, you wouldn't feel that in Vancouver over the housing projects there. But um, here in the capital region, it does seem like kind of a distant issue. Um, government put out a press release yesterday uh, saying that uh, treaty talks are coming along with five First Nations in the provincial capital region and on the table to be included in the treaties, there's five of them, are two provincial parks in the capital region. So one is the Souk Mountain, uh, Souk Hills Park, that's west of the capital in and around Souk. And the other are the Discovery Islands Park, which is a marine park, and it's right off Oak Bay. So the parks will be included in the treaty if things go ahead. And yes, the government is letting everybody know and setting up public information sessions starting in late February and continuing through to March to address the inevitable concerns. The big thing that was in The media release yesterday, Simi, is the government says that the First Nations and the province have already agreed that if and when the parks are handed over, the public access and recreational opportunities will be maintained. Mm -hmm. So they will still be parks as far as the public's concerned. They'll just be part of First Nations territory instead of provincial crown land. And, and there's there is precedent for this. I mean, I've yeah. I've done some vacationing up in 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 the Nishka territory. Yeah, and they've got some parks in there that I'm sure were provincial parks at one point, but are now part of the Nishka yeah. territory, and it's it's just like a regular park. And uh, isn't Pacific Spirit Park uh, Musqueam? I believe uh, so. Yeah, yeah, or so, right around there. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it can be done. I think more than anything, this is this is going to be an ongoing storyline for a long, long time to come. Again, there are 204 recognized First Nations in British Columbia. Only a handful of them have modern-day treaties. Uh, not all of them are negotiating now. Uh, some of them are simply looking for... Uh, you know, land deals and resources and things like that. Uh, the Blueberry deal uh, relates to an old treaty, a, a part of the province where we actually did have treaties, but 
that the treaty was violated. So, yeah, it's it's an ongoing thing. Um, it will be with us uh, for many, many years to come, and this is just the latest example of implications for the capital region here. Uh, Victorians getting used to it. There, you're right, Simi. There are lots of other parts of the province oh, yeah. that have already had to get used to this. Oh yeah. In fact, it, it, I was just blown away by how beautiful the Nishka area was, like the Nass Valley, um, and it was full of parks, full of yeah. provincial, what looked just like regular provincial campgrounds, right? Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't. There's certainly a lot of precedent in this area. Yeah, it is tougher in urban regions. It's tougher in parts of the province, and you hear this in First Nations themselves, right? They say, you know, all the land is already used in their areas. Uh, it was it was difficult, challenging to do the Tawasan Treaty, and and to provide them with land. And remember, the controversy there was they took a bunch of land out of the agricultural land reserve and handed it over to the Tawasan First Nation for them to develop. Yes. Uh, we got a giant mall out of it, right? They got revenue. They got a housing project. There's, I believe uh, they got some space uh, for the containers uh, at Roberts Bank. So it is tougher in urban, but we're going to have to do it everywhere. The courts yep. have told our governments often enough, uh, you've got to do this, and uh, that's, the, that's the future for British Columbia. We should have done it a long time ago. It's very true. You talk about that mall. I remember how controversial it was when it was built, but guess what's packed every yeah. weekend with people, right? <laughs> I mean, people will, if you build it, they will come, Vaughn. That yeah, is especially if it's true. a mall. Yes. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Bye-bye.